podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Metz. Today we are previewing a matchup for the Kansas Jayhawks football team that is probably a little bit more um, hopeful than I think we would have thought even just a couple weeks ago. Um, that is Kansas getting ready to play the TCU Horn Frogs. To help me preview that matchup and kind of figure out what we can expect, I have uh, Colin Post. He's a contributor over at uh, Frogs of War. He also is co-host of the podcast here on the 1012 Network, the Funky Frog Podcast. Colin, how are you doing today? Andy, I'm doing excellent. I found out we are we're wearing all black uniforms on Saturday uh, to to hopefully um, see the funeral for Kansas's high flying uh, football season that started last Saturday. So uh, yeah, you know what? Anything is a win this year when it comes to TCU football, and so we're taking victories day by day. I'm doing great. You know, you were talking about it being a funeral, and I thought you were going to say it can be the funeral on the Gary Patterson, you know, era, because he is going to be there at the game. You know, um, you <laughs> that know, as well. I, I, I feel like you wear black when you're finally putting to rest, you know, you know, something that's been so important and so fantastic. And so the all blacks make sense. You know, Gary Patterson will be there for senior day. Uh, I did see that, that tweet. So it's going to be an emotionally charged atmosphere. I'm guessing the question of yeah. course is going to be what TCU or how, how TCU is going to handle it, how Kansas is going to handle coming off of that huge win against Texas. So I, I do want to jump in, though, because, you know, a lot has changed for this TCU team. Coming into the year, the expectation was that Max Duggan was going to take that next step, that, you know, that, that the offense was going to really get going and that this defense was going to lock things down. There were people, including myself, talking about how TCU had a good opportunity, you know, to, to potentially be third in the Big 12 this year and sneak into the Big mm-hmm. 12 championship game if, if everything broke right. And obviously that hasn't happened. You know, this is a team that is struggling at this point. Point. They are four and six overall. They need to win both games coming up these next two weeks to get bowl eligibility. They're they're just at two and five in the conference. So they did have a weird, surprising win against Baylor. You know, the week after uh, after Gary Patterson was no longer with the team. But what are your thoughts on this team? Like, what's going on with them? And like, what would you describe the state of the program right now? Yeah, absolutely. It's a million dollar question, and you and I were talking before. I don't know if there is a solid answer, but. From my understanding, just having been around the program for four years as well as really uh, deep in the program this year, um, I, I really resulted down to three things. The first one is a chemistry problem, and it's something that Gary was very adamant about at the beginning of the season, that this is the closest team he has seen in a while, um, that they are responding well to coaching and, and advancing well. And I don't want to call Gary – um, I'm not kind of trying to call him out, but it's been very clear since then that that is not the case. Uh, it, rumors around the program are that Gary was really unable to relate to a lot of guys on this team, especially as NIL has become more of a thing in this college football culture. And it's been become more about player empowerment. Gary has just not been able to bond with some players. Um, I don't necessarily know them by name, but I'm guessing if you thought about TCU's roster, you could probably figure out who those were. Um, and so it really felt like that was uh, um, a really big issue with this team. And then um, coming off of that, injuries have been a really big problem. If you if you thought coming into this year who would be the most important players on TCU's football team, you would have said Max Duggan, Zach Evans, Quentin Johnston, uh, Kendra Miller, 
Trey Tomlinson, you know, Noah Daniels. And, and of those guys, uh, maybe throw Oshawn Mathis in there. Of those guys, Mathis and Tomlinson are the only ones who have to miss time. And so the, that has really hurt the chemistry issue. It helps a rhythm problem. And, and um, the list goes on and on for injuries uh, for TCU. And then finally, I, I think it was just a, a, a poor evaluation on not just the media's part, but really what Gary had been telling people about players developing was just inaccurate. Guys like Obina Essay from Memphis, um, a, an amazing guy, a really good guy who represents the program well and, and did great things at Memphis, but just was not able to be what TC needed for him to be on the offensive line this year. And, um, you know, that list unfortunately goes on and on as well of guys that have not developed quite as well as we wanted. And I think especially with the offensive line issues, that has really hurt Duggan from being able to develop as well as he could. So it's really been quite literally a dumpster fire in Fort Worth this year. And I hate to say that, especially when you're trying to send Gary out on a good note, but it has not been good. And there have really not been many cohesive things that have occurred this season with the exception of that really fluke win against Baylor two weeks ago. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely think it's fair to call it a fluke win. Kind of back to what you were saying about Gary Patterson and, and what he said about how close his team was. You know, I, I think that there's that college football coaches say a lot of things. Some of them are, you know, right. true statements about what's actually happening. And other times it's things that they are putting out there because they want to, like, manifest them. And so it definitely feels to me like like what Gary was saying at the beginning of the year and even throughout the year is kind of that, where he's, you know, he is – trying to show his belief in his guys, trying to to say this is what's happening because that's what he wants to be happening, not because that's what's actually happening, uh, which mm-hmm. can can be helpful in some situations. But if you don't have the right kind of guys that will take it the right way, it's it's more, you know, it, it, it comes across to some people as, hey, he really believes in us. We're going to get there. And it comes across to others as like, what is going on? This guy's delusional. So, it, you know, it really just depends. You have to know your team well enough to know which one of those is going to be successful and which way is going to be taken. And it sounds like Gary kind of misread the room uh, in terms of how all of that comes. Now, un- unfortunately, like you were talking about injuries and the fact that the offensive line hasn't developed definitely is a, is a huge problem for this team. Uh, I mean, it, has there been any bright spots, though, on, on that offense? Because I, I know that that was the big thing that Melissa and I talked about at the beginning of the year was, you know, we were expecting that offensive line to take a huge step forward, which was going to let Max Duggan take that step forward. So, like, the, the lack of development from Duggan as the quarterback, do you put that mostly on the offensive line? Or or is it fair to say that a decent amount of that is Duggan himself not not developing? I think it's it's, once again, a mixture of both. And then if you throw in that, you know, nobody expected for him to break a bone in his foot this year, that has really held him back. And I think that's kind of the difference that you saw in that Baylor game is that Doug Meacham was able to call a game for a Chandler Morris, who's already a really fast guy, but a guy who's able to run the ball. Unlike Max was in those really abysmal losses to Kansas state and West Virginia. And so, yeah, I, I don't put this all on Max. Um, if you, especially when you consider what Oklahoma state, was able to do against this TCU offense with the same quarterback that had over 500 yards of offense the week before against a, a good Baylor defense is kind of just, a, I think, a really good reference point for man. This is a, a real issue with not being able to give Duggan the time and protection they want. Um, something that's really hurt TCU this year is uh, guys haven't, even when five are protecting, against a three-man front, they haven't been able to give Duggan much time. 
And so they've had to keep Zach Evans and now Amari Di Mercado uh, back to block. And, and that has just really hurt TCU's freedom and rhythm and just kind of overall fluidity offensively. And I think, to be honest, aided and Zach Evans not being able to take as much of a workload earlier in the season, which was a really controversial topic within this program. And so overall, yeah, it, it's a really big – it's been a really big issue with TCU in general since I've been here, the offensive line, and it just feels like they aren't able to able to recruit at that level as they should. And, and I – Jared Anderson, the offensive line coach, has done amazing things with this program. He's been here for over two decades. But it really feels like he needs to uh, move on. And I would assume he will based on whoever comes in at head coach. But – TCU has really struggled to recruit offensive line-wise or develop the guys they have or develop transfers that they get, as I mentioned, essay. So, uh, yeah, I, I would put most of that on the offensive line. Uh, but, yes, it, it, is Max Duggan going to uh, be maybe the Heisman uh, even, you know, on the brink of contending like we maybe thought he could be based on the flashes he showed freshman year? No, he won't. So, uh, but definitely both sides, but in my opinion, more goes on coaching staff, offensive line, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and uh, unfortunately, you know, us, us Kansas fans can definitely understand the whole unable to develop an offensive line thing. While it seems like Kansas might be getting better there, um, you know, it's been multiple years where that was a huge problem. So I definitely understand right. the pain that that, that, that causes. Um, you know, you, you did talk about Chandler Morris in the last couple games, but my understanding was, and, and definitely correct me if, if there's been an update since I last looked, but it sounds like Chandler Morris and backup Sam Jackson and, of course, Max Duggan were all dealing with injuries now this week. Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to be the quarterback for TCU come come Saturday? Yeah, so it, it, Jerry Kill made it pretty clear that Chandler, he believes, will be ready on Saturday. So if I had to bet, I would bet that he'll send Chandler out there, but he did go as so far to mention a Jake Newfield, who's a, a wide receiver and has never seen the field for TCU. Um, he's actually in my marketing class. Is the only reason I knew who he was. Um, at, it could play some snaps at wide receiver. And so despite the fact that Luke Party and Trent Battle are also on the roster, it sounds like they are just not ready to go. I don't know if they're dealing with injuries or, what's going on there. I, I actually really wouldn't be surprised if Trent Battle transfers this year, so that might have something to do with it. And then with Matthew Downing having trans- entered the transfer portal just a week ago, TCU, yeah, is really slim at quarterback right now, and it doesn't sound like Duggan will be ready to go at all in, in the near future. And so I, I would assume Morris, but, yeah, if things get weird Saturday, you could be seeing someone who has never and then will probably never again see the field quarterback for TCU and um, that might be a, a big workload day for that running back core who as, as I'm sure you know is also very depleted at the moment yeah I mean this unfortunately it seems like this has been an issue for for TCU for several years though with you know they have a quarterback room that has seven quarterbacks in it but you know top one or two options have some sort of injury that might limit them and it seems like they don't have anyone depth wise now it's you know granted it's not very likely that you're gonna have you know, three quarterbacks in the same room that could all start and, you know, not have somewhat of a drop off, but you would think that they at least would have had one of those guys ready to be able to kind of step up and, and, and jump into the, the role here. But um, yeah, I don't know. This is definitely weird for me. It definitely bodes well for Kansas that they could be going up against a guy that either hasn't taken many snaps at the position. If it's the wide receiver playing 
um, or a guy who maybe is a little bit hobbled, especially with how well they were able to get past, um, you know, the Texas offensive line last week with Kyron right. Johnson, especially. So, so yeah, I, I guess that's really my next question. You know, yes, you know, you have Zach Evans, uh, who uh, actually, I, I guess that really is the next question. Um, is, is Zach Evans ex- expected to play or are they still kind of holding him out for, for most likely the rest of the season? I I would not expect to see him for the rest of the season. On officially on Tuesday, Kill said that he is eighty percent. Uh, he is eighty percent right now, but he is doubtful. So I I am taking that to mean you know Kill just doesn't want to say the facts of that that Zach will be out. You know he's a positive guy, and similar to Gary, uh, not only does he not like to give teams any information that could possibly help them, but he also really hates to put players and information out there unless he necessarily has to. So uh, I would assume he's out. He did say that Kendra Miller was able to practice on Tuesday. Um, I have not gotten an update on that, but it was, it was kind of a, uh, with a red penny situation on, it's kind of the way he described it with very, very little click care and not taking any hits. So if I had to bet, uh, and then he also said Amari DiMarcado was nursing injury as well, and DeMarc Wade Foster will not be ready to go. So I, uh, I I would bet that similar to Oklahoma State, we'll see DiMarcado a lot. Um, but at the same time, uh, we also saw uh, former uh, former cornerback Monte Watkins playing a little bit of running back against Oklahoma State and showing some really good signs. He's very, very fast. So that – could be the case. Daryl Reynolds is another guy who's on the roster at running back. He played a little bit against Duquesne. So, you know, Andy, it is going to be a really interesting uh, game on on Saturday. And, and to be honest, if I'm Kansas, uh, this could be my first Big 12, you know, winning streak in a, in a really long time based on what's going on on the TCU. Yeah, report. I mean, and, and a Big 12 road winning streak would be kind of weird for, for Kansas fans. Right. I'd have to go back and look up the last time that Kansas won back-to-back road games. Um, it's definitely a possibility in this one. And, hey, look, I don't know how cold it's going to be down there, but, you know, as the whoever plays quarterback, whoever's on that offense is trying to stay warm, you know, as they're going, trying to, to keep things going there and, and be ready, uh, they can use – you know, sponsor here on the podcast, that would be Homefield Apparel. Homefield is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, a bunch of other stuff like dog, you know, joggers that have the little dog on them, all that stuff. More than 100 schools are available. New ones are added all the time. If you head out there, yes, they are dealing with the holiday rush right now. People are, have been ordering. So, you know, right now they have issues with some of the stuff hasn't been or isn't in stock right now. Definitely keep checking back. I guarantee you're going to find stuff that you will want to get for you or for any other sports fan that's in your life. Keep checking back. Keep taking a look. If you use promo code CHALK12, you get 15% off your entire first order. Any order over $100 gets free shipping. They have fantastic stuff. I have a whole bunch of shirts. I got my wife a sweatshirt and a shirt last year for Christmas. She absolutely loves it. She wears it all the time. It is super, super comfortable. She always steals mine as well when, when, when hers are in the laundry. So... You are going to absolutely love these things. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You'll get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. So get in there, you know, get stuff ordered today so you can hopefully get it in time for the holidays or, you know, get it ordered and they can get have it as a late holiday present or something like that. But I just guarantee that you are going to want some stuff from there. So, so with all that said and done, like, 
what worries you the most about this Kansas defense and how is TCU going to try to attack them to have some success the way that Texas did or, or, you know, anyone else that seems to be having some success against the defense? Yeah. So it's no, it's no, um, you know, secret at all that TCU absolutely struggles to protect the quarterback. And we've already talked about that often having to bring a lot of, of a lot more guys than they really should, which prevents their offense from get going. Um, and, and honestly, they've, they've done a worse job protecting the quarterback than, than Kansas has this year. Uh, Kansas has actually been pretty good in that area, as you know. And so I, I am really, really worried. Though, um, obviously, TCU is probably game planning for him about Kyron Johnson. And I think what worries me the most is I was doing some research on him in preparation for this game Saturday and in that play against Oklahoma where they kind of, uh, I think switched him, correct me if I'm wrong, but moved him back to linebacker and then he was able to get a sack and just kind of a weird formation that uh, Brian Borland threw at the Sooners and it led to a sack and TCU really struggles with that kind of thing. When, when um, guys behind the front line are disguised, that was something that SMU was able to, have a strict sack, strip sack on Duggan that really changed the game on the goal line. And so that kind of thing, a really dynamic guy who's just really aggressive about getting to the quarterback is always nerve wracking for me. It was when we were going against Nick Benito um, and, and Kyron Johnson re- definitely falls into that category. So if, if I were TCU and, and what I would expect them to do is um, try to attack over the middle with the pass game and get get guys that are a little quicker like Tay Barber, Darius Davis, Blair Conright into space, um, into one-on-one situations. With guys in the Kansas secondary, uh, it's something that when it, they've done it, they've done it really good success this year, and uh, namely in that Baylor game. And it's something that Morris, if he's able to play, is able to provide with USC, he's able to extend plays really well especially compared to an injured Duggan. So um, it, it's one of those situations where they'll have to make sure that, that Kyron's not able to get going because it, if so, it, it could um, – and I, it's weird to say this about a Kansas defense, but it could be a really long day for that TCU offensive line, and um, that's never a good sign for the Frogs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely – you're right. It, it definitely is weird to say that about a Kansas defense, although I will say that Kansas actually has had some fairly good defenses – in the past, it's just the the end. You know, metrics don't really show it because you know their offense has been so horrible that you know they they hold up for basically two and a half quarters, and then the offense doesn't do anything, and the defense finally wears out. So um, there's right. de- there's definitely something to be said for that. But you're right. Like this this is definitely a huge opportunity for this Kansas defense to really get things going uh, and really have an opportunity to show what they're able to do against a a I, I think to put it as nicely as possible, a heavily depleted TCU offense mm. that is uh, right now just struggling, I think, to get an entire lineup together that, that can actually do something. So, um, all right, I do want to switch over to the defense, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. 
This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. And we're back. All right, so... Here with Colin Post, uh, co-host over of the Funky Frog podcast over here on the 1012 Network. And Colin, talking about the TCU defense now because, you know, Gary Patterson was well known for his defenses. That was his calling card. I think we, we started to see some of the cracks in the last few years with the defense giving up some things when, when that we weren't really expecting. But, uh, you know, taking a look at that now, like what what's going on with this defense? Because... You know, they, they're not putting up very good numbers at all, and I'm having a hard time putting my thumb on exactly what the problem is. It's the secondary. And what's really interesting, and I've talked to a couple me- people around the TCU media, and they really agree, is that it feels like Gary Patterson prepared for this year as if Noah Daniels was going to be playing at corner. And not only just Noah Daniels, but a fully healthy and in-shape Noah Daniels. And I don't want to talk too much about Noah Daniels personally because I think he's just got some things going on outside of football that could be of real concern. But just in general, he was talking to Pro Football Focus in the midsummer, talking about his diet, how he had a nutritionist, um, and, and was getting really fit. He was going to be all ready to go for the season. And as we know now, not only was that not true, but that was wildly not true. I mean, he, he was not only not ready to go because of – camp I mean he just was never ever going to be ready to go and it and so Gary Patterson could say oh you know I have I had no idea that was going to happen but it, at least from the outside looking and it feels like that was really pre- uh, predictable and so you know who knows maybe TCU could not have been any more ready but just there has been very little development at anyone else that has been here secondary wise besides Trey Tomlinson and CJ Caesar, um, Keontae Jenkins, who I believe has kind of secretly left the program and, and transferred to USC, at least according to social media. Um, and so, and then some of the younger guys who would, it would have been awesome to have seen given a chance, but we just, we know Gary is very particular about playing freshmen early. And so that is just a real bit of concern. And then on top of that, CJ Carter, the transfer from Memphis has been fine, but some guys like Nuke Bradford, as well as Trey Tomlinson, have not played up to the level that we've seen from them in the past or expected. And then put all that on top of the fact that safety Bud Clark, who was on an upward trend trend and, and looking like he was going to be really good by mid to the end of the season, then has a season-ending injury, I believe, against Oklahoma. So just I think the secondary is – the problem that concerns me the most, you know, TCU and Kansas are right there together on their passing defense uh, and both giving up in the mid 200s per game. It's really just been whatever teams have wanted against TCU. And that is kind of all where it starts. Um, and, and then combining that with O'Shawn Mathis, who is our best pass rusher by far, has been double teams really all year because no one else has really been able to get pressure and the interior defensive line has been downright atrocious and so yeah this defense is um and and you know honestly I could keep going the linebackers at D winners White Harris Jamal Hodge no development there the D winners has probably been one of the most disappointing players on this TCU defense especially in his in his pass coverage so this TCU defense has been a 
could to continue with the trend, just a whirlwind of disappointment when it comes to not living up to potential, not being in the right condition and shape. And then it felt like the coaching staff just prepared for things that weren't actually going to be there. Uh, It's really inexplicable and something that if you had told me this four years ago, 10 years ago or 20 years ago about a Gary Patterson team, you would say, what the heck, there's no way. Um, which I think ultimately is what made it easy for Donati to go ahead and pull the plug there. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it, it, it's just weird how, it's it's really, it's inexplicable just how it all collapsed yeah. at this point. And I mean, I, I guess if, if you look back, seeing it now collapsing, you can look back and kind of see the lack of development you know, kind of the issues that were that were festering with this defense, and and I, I do think that the NIL issue kind of is the perfect encapsulation of of why a lot of those things happen. Because Gary had a hard time keeping up with the times, updating you know the the way that things happen or the way that things are 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 now, what the current situations are in college football, you know, and how players are developing and how you know what players are thinking about, and and it's caused a lot of problems with guys just not developing the way that you would expect them to. Um, yeah, so it's definitely, it's weird to see it all come to a head at this point, but you're right in that it seems like there's problems all over this entire defense. And, and to be honest, we haven't even talked about the running defense yet. Like, mm. I mean, Oklahoma absolutely gashed TCU and they are not the only team that did it, but like, it seems like, like this, this TCU team, like from what you were describing, it almost sounds like they can't stop the pass, but you know, the, the big takeaway I get from watching them week in and week out is that it. I don't know what they do against the run. So, so which one are you more worried about? Play your teams that are that are pass heavy or teams that are run heavy? I I think run heavy probably concerns me more. But that I mean that's a double edged sword. E- either one, any offense TCU de- that the TCU defense faces concerns me in this league. And what? But to your point, what changed the game against Baylor is that. TCU was able to make Bohannon uncomfortable, try to do things he wasn't super gifted at, um, you know, put him in scramble situations, having to extend plays, just not his strong suits, and which is such an anomaly because it's like, oh, yeah, TCU was able to do that with every quarterback that they faced, and that would be awesome, um, And which is why that win is such a, a crazy, inexplicable thing because – it's not just a oh that's like what what we're gonna expect now. It was that was really purely guys playing out of their minds, and so yes, I I, I don't have an answer for that necessarily because they both concern me. But to your point, yes, the run defense has been as atrocious. Uh, they have they've given up ten hundred yard rushers in their last eight games, with two of them coming on Saturday, and uh, they rank I, I believe it's hundred twenty fourth now in the FBS, which for reference, there are only 130 FBS teams. So in run defense, it has been really, really bad. Teams have gotten whatever they wanted. And there are a lot of amazing running backs in this conference, but some guys have looked uh, better than they should against the CCU defense, especially because the interior has not been uh, what TCU expected. And, and that goes back, I think, to what we what I was saying earlier about what Patterson said about players. He really said some great things about Earl Barquette and Kenny Turnier, the UCF transfer. And I hate to put guys by name on flame on, on a podcast or something, but just quite frankly, they have not been uh, effective at all. And, and at times they've looked like wet, wet pieces of paper in the interior def- defensive line, uh, just allowing guys to run right through them. And it's not just B. John Robinson. You know, it's guys like Trey Siggers at, at SMU. 
who, uh, though he's a talented back, just should not be able to run for 115 yards against a, a power five defense coached by Gary Patterson. So uh, I don't think there's any other way to describe it, but inexp- inexplicable. And as uh, somebody who's part of the media and not within the program, it makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, I, I'm a little shocked, like trying to visit it from afar and not being nearly as familiar with this team. But, you know, we've we've talked about problems with the offense. We talked about problems with the defense. And unfortunately, both of those things have combined to cause real problems for TCU this year. And, you know, especially the way that people think about them and, and this team moving forward, which has really affected their value on the on one of the sponsors here on the podcast. And that is Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when all, when all of your teams win. Join the 8,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Go to Symbol.com, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com, to create a free account, and when you deposit, use promo code CHALK12 for a money-back guarantee. Yes, you heard that right. Symbol's offering a money-back guarantee to all the listeners for our show. So, you know, if you were to uh, have invested, say, in TCU and things have uh, dropped off a little bit like they have here, um, what that money-back guarantee means is that after you make your deposit, you know, you've invested for 90 days. If you end up with less money than you started with, you decide that you're done, you want out, Symbol will refund your entire deposit back up to $500. So you go over to symbol.com, use promo code shock 12. That deposit will have that money back guarantee up to $500. You can get in there have fun. Like I'm doing with my Kansas stocks that are paid out now. Um, you know, they have NFL, NHL, NBA, uh, they have college football and, uh, they're getting ready to, to launch things like soccer. So, uh, you know, they've got a lot of really great stuff. Oh, oh, and they also have MLB, which isn't going on right now, but you can get started investing and getting ready based off of what you know about these teams for next year. So um, definitely head on over, symbol.com, promo code CHOCK12. You get that money back guarantee and you help us out here on the podcast. All right, so, so I mean, we we have talked about both offense and defense. Uh, it sounds to me, the way that you're talking about them, that you're not super hopeful for this particular game. So, like, are, are you are you worried about the way that TCU finishes out this season, or is there some sort of light at the end of the tunnel for for how they can finish these last two games? Uh, I don't expect TCU to lose on Saturday. Um, I am a huge fan of what Camp Kansas was able to accomplish, but as you know, as someone who knows Kansas, you know, Better, way better than me. I, I don't believe that Kansas's win on Saturday, like the Baylor win for TCU, was necessarily a sign of improvement. It was a it was a really inexplicable. A lot of guys playing better than they ever have, and, and it was really awesome to see. I, I don't expect that, especially with all the emotions that are going to be running through the stadium. Coach P in there. Um, I, I don't expect for Kansas to. Though I um, love what Devin Neal is doing, I don't think. They'll be able to run the ball for 467 yards like Oklahoma State was. And I don't think they'll be able to get to Morris quite as well as the Cowboys were. Just giving this TCU offense a little bit of room to breathe. And then once that happens, I just don't believe in Kansas' secondary able to uh, being able to stop guys like Quentin Johnson and Tay Barber. So I have TCU winning in this one. But I think what I've said so far when evaluating this team and referencing Kansas that I have worry or even doubt about that statement is a sign of, one, how far this TCU team has fallen, even in a year span, and, two, 
uh, how impressive Kansas did look on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, so so I mean, looking at this Kansas team and and these matchups, like, what is it about Kansas that most concerns you if you're TCU coming into this game? Well, it, like I've mentioned about TCU being able to get the quarterback, it's been a real issue, and so uh, I don't know. If I was reading about the quarterback situation. I'm guessing Jalen Daniels is starting on Saturday? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, based off of what we heard, so I was actually talking earlier this week that I didn't think that Jalen Daniels would because I didn't think they'd burn the red shirt. But right, know, they made it. They made it very clear in the press conferences afterwards, and and you know the next couple of days that they really left the decision up to Jalen that it was going to be his decision whether he wanted to continue playing and lose that extra year of eligibility. Um, and you know, I mean, honestly, if if he's as good as people think that he's going to be. Then if he gets to the end of you know three years after this, there's not a good chance that he was going to stick around for another year anyway. Like he probably was going to have some sort of opportunity to do something, whether that's transferring to a bigger name school to try to go ahead and you know improve his draft stock or be ready to go to the draft and you know try to get drafted in the mid to late rounds to 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 latch onto an NFL team or something like that. Like if it goes that well, he's probably not going to be here for that extra year. So him deciding to use that and kind of build momentum and to continue to do that make sense to me. I just didn't think he was actually going to make that, you know, plan to do it that way. Um, it's also kind of one of those things like we talked about, you know, Kansas is probably going to try to recruit over him anyway, and, and they'll have more opportunities the the better he is. So um, mm. it, it really, I'm not that surprised. I do think that Jalen Daniels gives him a different look. And especially if Bean is still kind of hampered by his injury, because he got, he got knocked around pretty good, um, you know, the week before and had some issues there against Oklahoma state. So I definitely understand, you know, wanting to stick with Daniels if he's willing to go, I assume he's going to be the starter and he does, you know, he he actually does bring, I think a lot of things that you have not seen from the Kansas quarterback position this year. Um, or even last year when he played, cause remember he, he, he did play all of last year, but his yeah. offensive line literally gave him a second and a half on every single throw to try to make his decisions on what he was going to do and try to get that figured out. So I'm not necessarily that shocked that he looked a whole lot better against Texas. I also do think that that is more sustainable, um, you know, than just the, oh, he's the new guy that came in and, you know, no, nobody really knew what to do with him. We, we've seen his right. abilities. We've seen what he's able to do. The only real knock on him last year was, again, decision-making, which wasn't helped by the fact that he had to make decisions so quickly that it's usually hard for even, you know, the most experienced veterans to make decisions consistently really good when they only have a second and a half to two seconds to do it every single snap. So I do think that Jalen Daniels gives Kansas a good opportunity. There's a good opportunity that he's going to continue to impress and continue to show out. There is enough there, like how much, how much of it was them being hyped up for that Texas game? How much of a hangover is there going to be for this one? I, I think that, you know, I'm looking right now. I think most of the predictors give Kansas maybe a 6% chance of winning. Yeah. The ESPN matchup predictor is like a six, a 6.4. I think it's quite a bit higher than that, but only because Kansas is riding this high and it's with things that were sustainable. Like this isn't this win against Texas this year was not the same as the last win against Texas because yes, Kansas forced four turnovers in this game. Um, but those were four turnovers that Kansas actually forced as opposed to Texas messing up so badly that it yeah. just fell into Kansas's lap. Like, like it was when they won under David Beatty. So, you know, this, this Kansas defense, I think has shown some life. I think they are going to give, TCU some problems um you know it does concern me that TCU does have two really good receivers as opposed to just one like some of these other teams that they've been good against um right but it is also one of those things where Kyron Johnson 
You know, it, it's not it's not like what you were talking about, where where TCU has one pass rusher and nobody else is really doing anything. Kyron Johnson is such a beast that he's getting double teamed and either causing problems himself or he's opening stuff up enough for the other guys that they can at least get the pressure that they need to. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like Kyron Johnson is the only standout guy on this defensive line, but the rest of the guys are serviceable enough that, that when Kyron is getting extra attention, they can go and make a play. They can go and do something that they need to. And they've actually been a lot better against the run than I think people give them credit for. You know, they showed that really well against Oklahoma. Like they had a lot of problems against Oklahoma State, yes, but Oklahoma State has some really beastly running <laughs> abilities mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, it, it is one of those things. This Kansas team is definitely getting better. I definitely think that they're going to have an opportunity here. I am curious to see whether this is going to be um, a high scoring shootout, kind of similar to what we saw, um, just because. Against Texas, just because I, I do think the TCU has the ability to move the ball some, and it's just a matter of how quickly Kansas is going to get in there and disrupt stuff. Um, I do think that this Kansas team is going to score because TCU defense, like you've talked about, has a lot of problems. I think this is probably going to be one of the better matchups for this Kansas offense, especially if Jalen Daniels is clicking the way that he did against Texas. Like, I don't think that was just a Texas thing. I do think that Kansas is going to show improvement in these next two games, even if they don't win either of them. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think as well that Devin Neal is going to make this an interesting game that, you know, he is probably one of the most underrated rushers in the conference, partly because, you know, I mean, like he was, he was showing out against some of the better defenses as well. Um, He has quite a few games with, with quite a bit of yards. The problem is that it hasn't turned into wins because everything else has kind of fallen down around him. Um, And so I I think as they get more going as Jalen Daniels, able to get more down the field that that's going to open things up for Devin Neal even more. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see what they're able to do in this game and then the game against West Virginia. But I guess it really comes down to you've already kind of given us somewhat of a prediction. Uh, but but ultimately, what do you think is going to happen in this game? You know, is, is it going to be a big win for TCU? Is it going to be another nail biter? You know, are, are you guys going to be sweating something like a butt fumble happening, you know, to end this game as well? Or, or is it going to be a little bit more of a cushion than that? I think if I had to give what I most likely think will happen, I think TCU will win at least sizably where this game is pretty over by the time we get into the second half. So, you know, maybe something like a, a 42, 21 or, or something along those lines. Um, but, you know, like I said, 21, you know, Kansas, I think will be able to score, especially um, to just add a little bit onto the Neil thing. I mean, just his ability to, to break tackles and get yards after, um, contact against Texas. I mean, it says here 3.83 yards after contact per attempt. Yeah. Um, that is really bad sign for TCU defense that really struggles to tackle and really struggles with decision making in the open field. So I would expect Kansas is able to score, but I think once again, to repeat, given all that I've said already just today on the show, I, I, I would not just be utterly shocked if TCU loses or is in a close one here as I would have been in, in 2020 or 2019 necessarily. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So, um, you know, if, if what, whether Kansas pulls this off or not, I know that next week is going to be absolutely fantastic for this Kansas team uh, for, you know, senior day and all that fun stuff. And of course, the one thing that you do before you go out there is to tailgate um, and the best way to do that and, and to upgrade your tailgate is to do that with a sponsor here on the podcast. And that is Gridiron Metalworks.
Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high-quality metal home goods for the college superfan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers, and more. All of these are in actual school colors, not the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers use. Look, they, they keep adding new stuff all the time. Um, you know, they are actually looking at, uh, you know, the Urgle designs for, for some of the different things that they have there. He has actually put out stuff on Twitter. I was looking at it's fantastic stuff. Um, you know, additional things that you're going to want, that you're going to gonna need. If you have someone that you are trying to shop for, having a hard time, I can guarantee that at Grin Iron Metal, you're going to find something for them that they do not have. Everything that's there is high quality. It's made in the USA. They continue to add those new products all the time. If you use promo code CHOP12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. And right now, all orders are getting free shipping. They are stocking up for the holidays. They are doing their best to try to get everything out. So if you order now, they can guarantee still at this point that you're going to get it in time for the holidays. But if you wait too long, unfortunately, they may not be able to fill it. So head on over to Gridiron Metal now. Take a look at all of the great things they have to offer. You know, and if, if you are in the in shopping for a grill or shopping for anything like that, or you just need some new accessories for your grill, head on over there. If they don't have your grill size that is currently on there on the website, you can actually go in and put in your dimensions and they will custom cut it for you. Absolutely fantastic. I am buying, I am in the process of looking and buying a grill right now as well. And I already have a whole bunch of stuff picked out for when I get mine. So head on over to Gridiron Metal, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off that entire first order and get free shipping. All right. So Colin, thank you for all of that. I think we're done with, with football at this point. Um, look, this is a Kansas podcast. Um, obviously basketball is the most important thing to most Kansas fans. And while it's great that the football team is doing absolutely phenomenal, um, you know, basketball season has started. So I I can't let you out of here without at least talking just a little bit about basketball. TCU started off really well. Uh, actually most of the conference has started off really well here for, uh, for the big 12 in basketball. But, uh, you know, Kansas will be playing two games against TCU. And while I don't think anyone usually like the way it normally is, nobody usually expects Kansas to lose a TCU, but they have played them really well in some of these games. So looking ahead to this TCU team, like what is what is basketball looking like for you guys this year? First of all, I do want to give a shout out. I, I think they're not just because of this his strong start, but Oche Abadzi, Ochai Abadzi. Ochai, yep. It. But yeah, Ochai, I'm that. That guy is ridiculous, and if I was a voting member of the the Big 12 um, Player of the Year, I would assume that he wins it. So I just want to say that now. I know this is Kansas podcast, and I am very nervous for when he comes to Fort Worth um, in January. Um, yeah, <laughs> the TCU basketball team is going to be a lot more fun to watch and be a fan of this year for several reasons. I, I think – undoubtedly that what TCU football struggles with is actually the strong suit for TCU basketball, which you wouldn't think with eight guys coming in that are, that are transfers or new players, but the chemistry on this team is unreal. They love to play together. They love to play the game of basketball. And contrary to what a lot of people thought a year ago about Jamie Dixon, they love Jamie Dixon being their head coach. And so I I think if I had to predict that TCU will probably finish in seventh in the big 12, with maybe a late chance to make the tur- tournament, you know, maybe on the bubble or, or maybe one of the top seeds in the NIT. But um, I think Mike Miles will be one of the best players in the conference with a chance to have one of the best individual seasons in the uh, history of TCU basketball. 
Um, and, and I just think overall TCU is, is more athletic. They run the floor harder. They're more cohesive defensively. I think Damian Ball from Memphis is going to be kind of a, a, a um, a, um, why am I now forgetting his name? Davion Mitchell Light, you know, somebody who's just a, a monster defensively on ball and then able to score the ball as well. Not as good as Davion, but the pieces TCU has added have put the talent pool on this roster a lot higher than it's been since I've been here, despite having guys like Desmond Bain, Alex Robinson, J.D. Miller. So I, I am, I'm really excited, and I think what is most scary about the TCU team is not that they will be able to put together a lot of wins, but that their talent and ability to have fluidity offensively due to their chemistry gives them an opportunity to steal a game from Kansas, a Baylor, a Texas, a Texas Tech late in the season. That could really hurt some people's seasons or seeding in the NCAA tournament. So way more interesting hoop season for TCU over in Fort Worth though I don't expect us to be necessarily finishing high in the conference. Yeah, I mean, and and it is one of those things where, you know, this is a very strong conference. We already knew it was going to be, um, you know, so far this year, every team is undefeated except for Oklahoma State, who lost a, a little bit of a head-scratcher to Oakland, and then Texas, who lost their game out at Gonzaga. So everyone else is undefeated. Um, there's a lot of hype for these teams going into the year. Um, you know, the expectation is always that the Big 12 is going to be really deep, and, and TCU is definitely, I think, much improved from from even last year. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they jump up and steal a few. That, that Most people think that they probably shouldn't based off of what's on paper, but everybody knows it's difficult to go on the road in the Big 12 especially. So um, I, I do think that TCU will get at least a few people at home. I'm looking forward to being able to talk more about, you know, each of these teams as we get to see them do more and really get an understanding for what each of these teams are going to be because, like you said, you know, Ochai Abaji looks like far and away the best player right now in the conference and might even be one of the front runners for a national player of the year, but it is really mm-hmm. early in the season. <laughs> There's a lot of time for that stuff to change. And of Very course, true. And of course, when, when Jalen Wilson gets back for the Jayhawks, it'll, you know, who knows how that's going to change the way that they run the rotation and everything. So it might, it might make Ochai even better having another guy like that, or it might take some, some of the focus away from him and not have him you know, performing quite as well each night because he doesn't have as many opportunities. But who knows? It's definitely one of those things I'm looking forward to all of the basketball this year. Um, you know, so I, I highly recommend that we're, you know, that people pay attention, obviously, to the to the football game going on this weekend, but all the basketball is being played around the entire conference so we can get up to date with these teams and be ready for the, for the meat of the Big 12 schedule. So, Colin, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody find your work online? Yeah, absolutely. Um you can find me on Twitter at, at Colin with one LP underscore three. Um, and that's really where all of my work is posted. I do a lot of work with TCU 360, which is the student newspaper at TCU. And then as Andy mentioned, I do contribute for Frogs of War with some of our mutual friends over there. And then I do co-host the Funky Frog podcast here on the 1012 Network. So if you happen to care about TCU or want to hear about the Kansas game after the game this Sunday, tune into that. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be interested to hear what your guys' takes are, regardless of who wins. So, um, all right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Colin, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you find your podcast, with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe so you get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it would be absolutely great. But if for whatever reason you're not able to do that, 
just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by by email at, at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, so you, we, you know, so we can get a, a voicemail and get your voice on the show. Um, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and you can leave that there. We also do have a, uh, we also do actually have a phone number now where you can call in and leave those messages as well if you would like. Uh, and that number is... Uh, it is 913-732-8165. Sorry, guys, I couldn't get a, a toll-free number for that. But give that number a call or just go to that Anchor link and you can leave me a voicemail here and I promise I'll get you guys on the show. But uh, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you go out and visit all of the great sponsors we have here on the podcast, whether it's Symbol, uh, Homefield, or Gridiron Metal. Use promo code CHOCK12 at all of those locations. You can get great deals. Um, but again... Check out all the podcasts on the 1012 Network. Just go over to uh, TEN12 Network over on Twitter. That will get you a link to every single show, including this one, and also you know the, the Funky Frog podcast when it does come out. So, uh, But that's going to do it for us. Colin, thank you again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the Ten Twelve Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big Twelve podcasts. Check them out at Ten Twelve Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan Abear. Uh, Sickum Bears. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere the podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Sports Social Podcast Network.